This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. A new report by the Movement for Black Lives, together with its partner legal organization, the Creating Law Enforcement Accountability and Responsibility Clinic at SUNY, finds that the federal government targeted activists involved in the summer 2020 national uprisings. According to the report, which is called Struggle for Power, the federal government deliberately targeted supporters of the movement to defend black lives during the summer of 2020 uprisings in order to disrupt and discourage black organizing. My guest is Ashley Woodard Henderson, an activist with the Movement for Black Lives and co-executive director of the Highlander Research and Education Center in Tennessee, formerly known as the Highlander Folk School, which served a critical leadership incubator during the civil rights movement and continues to act as a catalyst for social justice leadership and grassroots organizing. Welcome to the program, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. So first, how was this report actually uh, based? What was it based on? I understand that uh, the uh, that you that you looked at and the report's authors looked at hundreds of federal charges and convictions brought against people involved across the country in various ways last summer. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the origin of this story actually predates even the work that we've done over the last almost decade and the uprisings of last summer, we know in the black liberation movement in the United States context that the federal government has consistently surveilled and targeted um, those, those organizations with massive government overreach and power grabbing in an attempt to scare folks from fighting for social justice and economic justice in this country. And so this report, A Struggle for Power, the ongoing persecution of black movement uh, by the U.S. government is just quantitative data to our qualitative stories and experiences. Uh, this particular study focused on analyzing 326 criminal cases from August 31st of 2020 to October 25th of 2020, when federal charges were filed against protesters, a majority of whom were in the movement uh, to defend and protect Black life. And so what we found, again, was just proof uh, that the federal government, very specifically William Barr and Donald Trump, uh, were targeting folks that were in the movement to defend Black lives during those political uprisings against police brutality last summer in, in order to disrupt and, and, and discourage the movement from growing. What we found was that 92.6% of the cases could have been charged under the equivalent state or local law that the federal penalties of 88% of the cases were clearly harsher, and that out of the 326 cases, about 22.1% involved charges with mandatory minimum sentences. It was very intentional targeting of, or, of organizations and communities and individuals that were in the movement to defend Black lives last year. Um, and so we see this as egregious, um, and we believe that there are concrete demands uh, that need to be met to right this wrong that is now in the hands of the con this contemporary federal government under the Biden administration um, and under this, this, this current Congress to pass legislation that actually protects dissent, right? That, that supports the BREATHE Act, divesting from systems of harm and investing in healthy, sustainable and equitable communities, making sure that we get amnesty for all of the protesters 
these protesters who protested for the sake of salvaging the semblances of, of democracy in this country versus uh, anti-vax protesters that have been out not only putting their lives at risk, but threatening all of us um, in this moment of public health crisis. And so we believe that it's time to invest in, and pass the BREATHE Act to give amnesty to all of the protesters who are being criminally charged in this way um, and to ultimately abolish the Joint Terrorism Task Force. I want to pick up on what you said around federal charges, that there were these equivalents uh, of state charges that could have been pursued, um, you know, for various supposed offenses. And of course, the federal charges carry more harsh penalties, um, which means that those federal charges then resulted in harsher sentences, you know, which, of course, anybody who's been um, involved in the criminal justice system, particularly the federal level, knows that that follows you for the rest of your life, right? Right. That's right. Not only does it follow you for the rest of your life, even in the present, right? It, it destroys community. It rips people away from their families. Um, and it essentially tells all of us that if we fight for the social good, if we fight for bending the moral arc of the universe, that that is the antithesis of being, uh, you know, a good American, which is, is is a falsehood, right? And even beyond the idea of citizenship, what it shows is that if you disagree with the federal government about anything, they have the right to destroy your life in the immediate, right? They they can charge you with crimes and ultimately potentially convict you of crimes that impact your ability to have fair housing. Um, that impact your ability to be able to get a living wage job that can take care of you and your family, right? It literally rips away your ability to be able to not only survive in this country, to, but to be able to thrive. Um, and that is that is absolutely just unconscionable. It's immoral. And, and quite frankly, um, it is the antithesis of everything that folks of goodwill in this country believe in. Um, and Donald Trump very clearly made this order. Um, William Barr very clearly executed it. And, and we're doing everything in our power to fight to have it overturned. Right. William Barr issued these bizarre directives through the Department of Justice that sounded so deeply politicized, that had very little basis in fact, that, you know, had very partisan overtones. Um, do, do we know any, do we have any racial data for who was charged, uh, arrested, charged and convicted? We know that those protests in the summer of 2020 were very multiracial, which was, of course, an amazing thing to see. But were people of particular races um, disproportionately targeted or do we even know what they were? Absolutely. And you can see this, all of this data in, in the report. If you text the word power to 90975, or you go to our website, m the number four bl.org backslash power, you can find the report there. I mean, as you well know, and as the, the audience that, that consistently shows up and supports this show know, uh, all of these charges disproportionately impacted Black people, right? And again, this quantitative data only goes to further show that this is just a continuation of, of the COINTELPRO work of the federal government back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, right? That this is just a continuation of, of the, the state surveillance and attack and misinformation um, and anti-Black propaganda that authoritarians and fascist governments use to control what people think. And, and, and this, is, this is just a contemporary example of that, right? Um, to make the absurdity obvious, uh, another example of propaganda that's misinformation is, is Donald Trump spreading all these lies about COVID-19, declaring it was going to disappear one day, that it would be a miracle and everything would get better. This is a just the, another side of the coin of the continued 
uh, anti-Black propaganda that is disproportionately impacting communities, whether they be urban or rural all across this country. Um, and so what we know he did with this propaganda that disproportionately impacted Black communities was deceive people about the intentions and the actions of the organizers and the activists that were involved in our movement, right? He, he tried to make it seem like protesting in defense of Black lives was actually a threat uh, to the federal government when what we saw was actually that it created more spaciousness for democracy, right? We saw more people showing up to the polls. We saw more people participating in efforts of mutual aid, et cetera, building healthy, sustainable and equitable communities all over the country that not only benefited black lives, but in relationship and proximity, everyone else was beneficial uh, to the work that happened over the last year in, in defense of black lives. Um, what we saw was not even covert, but overt, uh, attempts to incite verbal and physical violence against organizers and activists that were protesting in defense of Black lives. Um, and it gave even more justification to the, to the overt surveillance of our communities, domination and punishment of people that were just fighting for democracy. It was an, a, an attempt to cast his white supremacist and nationalist values as heroic uh, in a fake fight against what they believe to be far left extremists. And so Conversely, uh, what we saw in his response to anti-mask protesters as being very good people and encouraging local leaders to negotiate them, not only did we see the, the opposite of that in these peaceful protests that we saw all summer and fall last year, what we saw was a direct response to say, we will criminalize and punish you if you participate in these peaceful protests. Uh, I appreciate the a, a historic legacy of, of anti-Black propaganda. Right. And in fact, that uh, let's let's contextualize that because I really do appreciate how the report struggle for power puts this into the historical context. There has been a pattern going back over a century, if not longer, of the federal government in particular targeting any attempts at black leadership for self-determination, for any assertion of equality, of any for any application of constitutional protections. Um, we see these disproportionate uh, ways of targeting going back so far. And it seems as though that targeting that took place last year was very much in line with that. I think people might be most familiar with the kinds of things that took place um, in the 60s and 70s against the civil rights leaders and black power leaders, where you had an entire government entity um, created, the COINTELPRO uh, entity by the FBI to do just that, right? To basically es essentially ensure that leaders were framed, were criminalized, were put behind bars, were hit with spurious charges. I mean, completely going against these, this notion of freedom and equality that we keep getting sold to in this country. That's right. I mean, I think what's so egregious about the scandal that is the information that is proven through this report uh, that we did the movement for black lives built with with clear at cuny is that i think a lot of, of folks would believe a, a status quo narrative that oh man that stuff doesn't happen in the u.s anymore right that that now we believe in democracy widely that that is the status quo we believe that everyone has a human right to participate in this this practice of democracy in this country and what this report goes to show is that once again a few white men with power and 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 access to to financial resources can make a decision that can literally destroy the lives of people that are fighting for for everyone to be able to express their innate god-given born and exception human rights right 
That's what we're seeing. And, and to your point, this start, like people know about COINTELPRO, people might even remember the many, many ways that the state white supremacist organizations and law enforcement worked to end the abolitionist movement, even before the 50s and 60s, when black folks, the, the, the descendants and, and, and folks that had been kidnapped from the shores of Africa, when those folks were fighting to end slavery as an institution in this country, we saw the state law enforcement, right? The very origins of law enforcement were, were slave catchers, so-called slave catchers, um, and white supremacist organizations like the Ku Klux Klan and citizenship councils and all of that, working together in tandem to actually stop the process of building a more just union, right? So this is, this is centuries in the making. And I think to the point in a 21st century context, I think a lot of people would have said, oh, those black people are just being paranoid. They're being paranoid about surveillance. They're being paranoid about unfair treatment in relationship to incarceration. They're being, you know, they're being paranoid about criminalization. And I think what this report goes to show is that we were not lying. Right. We were not wrong that there was an actual attempt led by the president of the United States mm, yeah. to stop this movement from growing and being successful, which, again, directly impacted and was led by black people. But in proximity to these black people, everybody won. Right. So I think I think what we know for sure is that now is not a time to take off the pressure. Now is the time to put on even more pressure to make sure that we pass policies under this new administration that allow for this to never happen again. So aside from the BREATHE Act, which I know the Movement for Black Lives helped to write and has been uh, pushing for, what can the Biden administration do in the short term around those people facing charges or maybe even have started serving their sentences um, who the report, whose who's arrests the report analyzed uh, from last year's Absolutely. movements? So we say this in the report, and again, you can see it uh, in the policy platforms of the Movement for Black Lives, is Biden could right now with the swish of a pen give amnesty to all of the protesters, and he should. He should do that immediately. The second thing that he could do is, is abolish the Joint Terrorism Task Force, which is really just a tool to target and criminalize Black protest movements for justice. It's time. It's time to get rid of it. It does no good for our people. Um, so it's it's time to divest from that system and that, that infrastructure and invest it into actual community-led solutions on the ground all across the country that Black folks have been fighting for for decades now. I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. We will definitely post a link to the entire report on our website so people can get a hold of it themselves. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. My guest has been Ashley Woodard Henderson. She's an activist with the Movement for Black Lives and also co-executive director of the Highlander Research and Education Center in Tennessee. We've been talking about a new report that the Movement for Black Lives put out in conjunction with CLEAR, which is a clinic of uh, State University of New York, on the federal government's interference in last summer's national uprisings. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.